Hello and welcome to Non-Breaking Space, which you can find online at nonbreakingspace.tv. Non-Breaking Space is a show where we'll seek out the best, brightest, and smartest people on the web and talk to them about how and why they do what they do. Your hosts are Christopher Schmidt and Dave McFarlane, two web designers, authors, and trainers who have a passion for sharing knowledge about the web. Our guest for this episode is Matt Marquis. Matt works at the Filament Group in Boston, a company that designs engaging sites and apps for mobile, tablet, and desktop platforms. He is a designer and a developer who occasionally works independently with big-time clients like the Boston Globe. Matt also regularly writes articles for the Alista Part blog. He's a member of the jQuery mobile team and also an active member of the open space community at movethewebforward.com. In addition, Matt chairs the Responsive Images community group. Before I turn it over to Christopher and Dave, we just wanted to apologize for the less than stellar audio in parts of this interview. Some gremlins got into Christopher's mic, and so it's a bit hard to hear him at times. But without further ado, I'll turn it over to Christopher and Dave and their conversation with Matt. So Dave, how's it going? Uh, hi, Christopher. It's going well. I'm trying to recover. I got uh, a little care package from my publisher, O'Reilly Media. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I guess because I, I had a book, I don't know, came out a little while ago, but um, and it had like a, a power cord. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. And it had a uh, nice little uh, 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 journal for writing in. And then it came with some vegan chocolates. Nice. And uh, I unfortunately just opened it up and popped one in my mouth without reading <laughs> that it was the uh, like jalapeno or <laughs> habanero cinnamon fire chocolate. Uh-huh. So I've been drinking water and trying to recover from that. Great. I was wondering where the recovery came in there. It's like, all right, power cords are handy, chocolate is delicious. Yeah, well, it could have, it could have led up to something on the power cord. Well, I plugged it in and, ah! Standing in a puddle. I figured you were building up like also. I was, was taking, a just a moment ago, I was taking a bath with my... Yeah. Also, I'm standing on a really flimsy chair. Uh, the care package included methamphetamines. I don't know. <laughs> I had a long week. Uh, so we have with us Matt Marquis. He is in a, uh, uh, what are you in? You're in an elevator I'm, sitting on um, a chair. Yeah, I just dragged the chair into an elevator in a closet. We have like, it's the office is a converted loft. So we've got this big, terrifying freight elevator. Uh, and I'm in it to get away from the sound of servers and whatnot. It's yeah. very dark. Uh, so obviously I'm, you get a little scared. I feel like I can share that with you guys. I'm a little fright back here. <laughs> so, Matt, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into the industry and your, your background, bringing you to the web world? Oh, man. I, uh, I have an interesting origin story for getting started with this stuff. I actually, um, Boston born and raised, I was a carpenter for the first handful of years after I got out of high school. And hmm. then I... Uh, um, yeah, the family carpentry business. I mean, I didn't, I didn't learn enough to pick it up. So when the bottom kind of dropped out under it, I couldn't just keep running with the family business. So uh, I ended up working in retail, which was something for a few years. And um, yeah, I learned a lot about myself working retail. But uh, I mean, no college degree. I couldn't afford to go. It was, you know, I was going nowhere. I was literally, I was working in a kiosk in a mall. You know, those guys were like, as you walk by, they're like, excuse me, sir, what phone do you have, sir? Oh, yeah. Totally. Yeah, I was that guy. So I was just deep in self, self-loathing. self And uh, I quit one day without a plan. I just gave my two weeks notice. And when the boss asked me why, I was like, I don't know, to not be here, to not do this, to <laughs> literally any other thing. And like I was living in an illegal basement apartment, 
it was a two bedroom and I was living there with like a total of five of us and it was dismal and, and I just bailed. Uh, when the two weeks were up, I went and I bought a big green backpack and I just started walking and, uh, the goal was to get down to Cape Coral, Florida to visit a buddy of mine who I chose just cause he lived the furthest away. And, um, it took about two months and I ended up in Cozumel, Mexico. <laughs> this is a true story. I can't stress this enough. It's like my only good story I have. <laughs> but yeah, I, I ended up hitchhiking my way down the East Coast. Uh, I got to Florida. And this is the edited version because, you know, this is going to be on the internet and I need to run for president someday. That's right. So uh, my buddy bless his heart, dumb as a sack of hammers, I love him to death, was uh, dating this girl who was a cashier at Walgreens. I promise this leads up to me making websites. And uh, she went to Miami one weekend, and she came home with a new career path that didn't necessarily involve all of her clothing all the time. <laughs> Put it that way. So... Uh, I'm crashing with them, and that's that's awkward as hell. That's bizarre. And uh, but whatever. They have a, a guest bedroom. I'm kind of like gearing up for the trip home. I got no money. I don't know how I'm going to get back without getting knifed to death because that's a genuine concern when you hitchhike. And uh, she comes into the room I'm staying in, and she says, "Hey, you know computers and stuff, right?" And I did not, but I was like, "Yeah, I mean, I've used them. Could you make me a website?" <laughs> I said, "I don't know, probably." So. I just, I stayed up for like two weeks, smashing Red Bulls one after another, and I made this hot pink table-based monstrosity of a website, and I will not share the URL oh, for that it's still on. there. No. And uh, it's not safe for anywhere. And so I charged <laughs> her a whopping $500 for it. And so... Nice. They break up two days before they're supposed to go on a cruise to Cozumel, Mexico, for some reason. Mm -hmm. And uh, so um, I'd been a career con man up until then. So I took her aside and I was like, woof, that really sucks. She says, what? I said, well, I mean, they're not going to be able to get you guys separate rooms. And you just broke up. That's going to be really awkward. He goes, no. I said, no, no, it's a boat. They only have so many rooms. I don't know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And uh I said, Jesus, you probably got one bed. And she goes, oh, my God. And I said, I know. I tell you what, why don't you just trade me the cruise ticket to Mexico? <laughs> Give me like 10% of what the site makes for a while. We'll call it even. And she puts her hand on my shoulder and she says, thank you so much. <laughs> and I said, no, no, thank you. And it ends up being, after two months on the road, me and my meathead buddy on a cruise to Mexico. <laughs> Turns out all the food is free on a cruise. Didn't know that going into it. That was awesome. Nice. Yeah. And uh, when I got back, a bunch of my friends from back up here pooled their money, bought me a plane ticket home because I was going to get stabbed to death. And uh, eventually, just while hitchhiking, it just it seems to happen. And... Uh, yeah, so I got back. I had nothing to do with myself. I had no degree. I had no direction. I wasn't going back to retail. But I made a website one time, so maybe I could do that. <laughs> and now I'm here. And there you are. <laughs> Six years later. Ooh, well, we have had Nicole Sullivan on our show, and I'm, your story may top hers. She's got a pretty good one, which also includes carpentry. Right. No, but, no kidding. Uh, 
Yeah. 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 She's from up here too. She's Cambridge, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think Cambridge, Somerville. Anyway. All right. Awesome. So, so how did you get from going back home to working at the filmic group? Oh God. Um, well, when I first got back, I just I would fake take gigs on Craigslist. You know, like you know the this will be good for your mm. portfolio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would just pretend to take the gig. Like I'd never actually write to the person, but I'd be like, yeah, I can make a website for that. And I would just I'd be living off of my like hundred bucks a week from from the website I'd made previously, so I had enough to like eat and get by. But um. Yeah, I would just make a website, throw it away. Make a new website, throw it away, and just keep doing it until stuff started to make sense to me. And then, you know, I pick up a couple of books, I get a better sense of what I'm doing. To get my first, like, actual sitting in an office at a desk gig, I lied and said I needed an internship for college credit. Again, didn't go to college. And uh, after a couple of months, they were like, don't you need us to fill out some paperwork? I was like, ah, uh, about that do you want to hire me? And they did, which was nice of them. So I worked there at Brunello Creative for a couple of years, two years maybe. Uh, freelanced for about a year and a half, two years. And then I was a contractor here at Filament for I think like the first full year I was here. And now I'm an honest to God employee. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's it. So basically, you just bluff your way into the industry, but I mean, but there's also like you—you you did the hard work, you know, like you—you you like, you know, put down the hard work and and put the time into it and build yeah. websites over and over and over again. So yeah, That's but awesome. in fairness, I bluff my way through most things. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. Cool. But uh, so. Let's just talk about the the hot drama that is uh, to borrow a phrase from the shop talk show. Uh, uh, about the state of responsive images for for the web. Uh, oh, you guys have good timing. I yeah. do have. This. So, uh, but uh, can you explain to everyone what the what are responsive images and and what the problem is and and you know basically just set the stage, I guess. Yeah, I mean, um, when we were working on the Globe, Scott Jell put together a script where, but, you know, when you're dealing with a single code base that's being served up to all manner of devices, it's easy enough to make images stretch to suit the layout just you know max width 100% that's I'm sure most people are familiar with the problem is that image has to be as large as the largest possible size at which it's going to be viewed that wasn't English but um (laughs) yeah I was never any good at English so yeah if you're on a screen 300 pixels wide and that same code base has to serve up you know, a full bleed image on a 2,000 pixel wide screen, you're serving up a 2,000 pixel wide image to that, that mobile device, which, one, is not ideal to begin with in terms of, like, properly portraying the subject of that image. Like, there might be a lot of background information that's nice to have, but not necessary to, to properly, you know, express what that image is doing. But on a smaller screen, you probably want to crop it, you want to zoom in on the focal point, you know. So there, you're just ending up with a blurry mess of colors if you just scale it way down in a lot of cases. And it's gross for bandwidth. I mean, you're incurring all the penalty of a giant image and seeing none of the benefit. So on the globe, Scott Joe came up with a method where uh, we would serve the mobile-sized image by default. And mobile is in finger quotes there. Uh, And if 
the screen was above a certain size, we would enhance it up to the larger version. But the trick to this was doing it in a way where we'd only end up requesting one image in total for each image on the page. You know, we don't want to pull in the mobile-sized image and then swap it for the larger one. Because right. that's still pretty wasteful. So, and I mean, I've, I've documented all over the internet all the various gross things that we attempted to get this done. <laughs> and, I mean, dynamically injected base tags, and we, there was, we cast some glances at the object tag, and a lot of bad things. Right. I won't go into the, the sort of details, but I mean, it ended up, and this approach is still being used on the globe now, we would set a cookie in the head of the document, and that contained the screen size, and that cookie would be included along with requests for the images once the body's being parsed, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is cool because then we had a way of communicating screen size to the server, and we could just request. We'd defer the original request to like a one-by-one spacer GIF, and then we'd use JavaScript to swap that for the appropriate image. Okay. So just for the record, the least gross solution we came up with involved <laughs> spacer GIF and cookies right. to serve images. Yeah. But... um. Flashback to uh, yeah. the 90s. Awesome. Sweet. Really? But, um, th- and then it broke, which sucks. <laughs> well, how, how did it break? Like, so, so your solution, like, how did your solution break? Like, well, the issue is, like, Chrome is the most aggressive about it, so they're the, they're, they've kind of been my scapegoat, but it's in a lot of modern browsers now. There's a prefetching thing where before the body of the page is actually parsed, the browser could go out and fetch those assets. Mm-hmm. So, and like Chrome, I think it's if you're in the same room as the computer and considering visiting a website, it will go and start fetching those assets. Like, it's super aggressive. And, uh, yeah, so that, that invalidated our approach. Because before the head even gets parsed, it's going out and it's fetching images, you know? Mm-hmm. So now the broken script, and it, again, I think it's still in use on the globe, um, does serve up the smaller image first, and then you can see it being swapped for the larger one. So it's a redundant request. It's only additional overhead that's incurred on larger screens because we start with a mobile image and do nothing if it doesn't meet that, that check. Um, where you can kind of assume you have more bandwidth to work with, kind of, you know? So it, it, it could be worse, but it's not great. Um, so then, you know, a bunch of us got together... Uh, Jason Grigsby, Ethan Marcotte was in there, me, Scott, uh, Paul Irish was involved, and we, we just started hashing out like potential solutions for this, and we didn't get much of anywhere. Right. And we kind of landed on, like, I think we need a new element for this. I mean, we're serving up, this should follow the same pattern as other HTML5 media elements, like serving up sources as appropriate. And, you know, we were all full of ourselves. We thought we were really onto something. And then it, apparently it turns out people have been pitching almost the identical idea we came up with since, like, 2007 to the standard studies, uh, which is awesome. So we, we took a bunch of stuff from that. We kind of mashed it all together, and we got it all, we thought, ready to, ready to like, present. And then when we heard that the uh, What Working Group was hashing out some issues with responsive images, even though they were only addressing resolution switching. Mm-hmm. We were like, all right, awesome, guys. Look at all this work we did. Take a look at this. And it was not well received. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so like, what was your solution? Like, was it just, what was the new element that you proposed? And, and what, was, what was your solution? And to- oh, it's, um, I mean, the, 
picture element is what we've been throwing around. Some people have proposed like pick that sort of thing, not married to the name necessarily. But um, I mean, effectively, it, it follows the same scheme as the video tag does, mm-hmm. where the video tag is actually spec'd, I believe, at present, unless they've removed it, that um, you can use media attributes on each source. And then if those sources match, you know, media queries within those attributes, then it knows to serve up the first matched source, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. And I mean, that's, that's dead on what we needed. Right. Uh, our original proposal just used those media attributes. Mm-hmm. But since the, have you guys seen the CSS image set thing? Uh, is it the mm-hmm. source set or is it is, is that yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Different, different thing? Okay. Yeah, well, it's the image set is the same syntax as the SRC set attribute, mm-hmm. where it's like 1x, comma, source, 2x. Um, so we've since merged that into the current proposal, mm-hmm. which is looking pretty damn good. And the news for today is that we officially took our first pass at like codifying this in a final proposal. Mm-hmm. It's going to be done up proper on W3C letterhead and everything. Oh, that's hmm. awesome. So, yeah. so by making it official, you mean making uh, the picture element official, or with the new queries, or no? It'll be an official proposal. Okay. Um, it remains to be seen if implementers will pick it up. We've been talking to a couple. Um, and there is some interest, but I can't really say. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it goes. But um, I mean, we even Scott Jell went so far as to create a polyfill for this element that does not yet exist that mm-hmm. works 100%, which is unreal. Right. And uh, like that's already out there. There's a ton, mm-hmm. ton of community support for this solution. Right. And I keep saying to everybody, I'm a figurehead. You know, I just make the most noise about it and write a couple of blog posts. This is very much the work of a ton of talented developers. Right, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, because, uh, yeah, I was in the, the Responsive Images community group because it's, you know, it's of interest to, to me and everything, but, uh, and, Hopefully everyone else too, but uh, it was just a lot of noise to try to get the HTML5 working group to recognize, you know, this is an important issue and and push it through. And so, I'm not a big fan of picture element per se. Uh, just I just feel like it's uh, uh, there's some issues with it. Like I, I find like, and maybe give me your opinion on it. Just that for a picture element to work, you need to have it's you know we're borrowing. And I haven't seen the new spec yet, so the spec that you guys are working on. But uh, uh, it's the same as taking the video and moving the media queries over and putting them in there. And basically, you know, is that the same same idea? Just basically, just like, hey, uh, for this spot on this web page, uh, put in an image. But if it meets these certain criteria with uh, media query CSS and stuff like that, uh, swap it in with a, with a different image. And also, uh, there should be like a fallback with. Uh, with a, a typical image element. Is yep. that, that's where how it goes, right? Yep, pretty much. I mean, it's actually it's a two-phased thing in terms of selecting the actual source image. Mm-hmm. Um, the proper source element within the picture tag mm-hmm. is selected by way of that media attribute. Okay. Once it's selected the source, then it runs through the SRC set attribute to determine which is the most appropriate resolution of oh. that image to serve. You know what I mean? Okay. It cuts down on a lot of the cruft and the syntax because honestly, SRC set is great for switching resolution. Mm-hmm. And you can probably assume, well, you should assume that once you've selected the source element, that's 
going to be the representative image. And then it's just a matter of that one concern serving up the right resolution, you know? Yeah. The other reason I like that a lot is if we used a resolution media query, and we're, we're removing bandwidth from the equation completely. Like, if I'm tethered to my phone on a Retina MacBook, I probably don't want Retina images necessarily because that's a ton of data to be transferring. Right, yeah. Um, so by using that SRC set attribute, we actually introduce we introduce a qualifier that can act as a suggestion. Right. You know, media queries are set absolutes. You don't want to override those anywhere because they are what they are. Mm -hmm. SRC set can say, if the UA allows for it, mm -hmm. serve up the high-resolution image. So you could have a setting in you know, Chrome somewhere that says, serve high-resolution images as bandwidth permits or always request low-resolution images. Mm -hmm. And then that could override whatever the SRC set attribute is telling you to do. You know? Cool. Which yeah, would be awesome. Yeah, so basically, yeah. We're like, so when you said it was a hybrid, really, of the source set, and if I'm saying the right thing, that source set, yeah. uh, and, and picture, it really is. It's like, so picture and the values for source set uh, would be in the picture element? Yep. Right? Okay, awesome. Yeah, that's, like, yeah. that's, that's news to me, so that's pretty awesome. Yeah, honestly, I like the solution a lot more. And uh, for all the, all the crazy blowout with the, the What Working Group and everything that happened a little while back, mm -hmm. In all that noise, that that's the signal that came through. I mean, that's what we wanted was to go to them, say, "We've been working on a solution. What do you think?" Right. Take that feedback and work together on it. And this is effectively this is the compromise solution right. reached by both groups. It's just that one isn't necessarily on board with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, it's 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 a tough it's it's a tough thing because like uh, you know when when I started like researching it, you know, not too long ago, but I was just like, hey. I'll I'll just have this solved and I'll just research what people are doing and, and find out what this oh, is God. within a day and then a month later I'm like oh man we're still we're still uh, debating this issue and, and then you know it turns into like with Boston Globe we research has been going on for a long battle and people have been seeing this issue coming on the horizon for a long time and, yeah and now that we it's, have like uh, you know MacBook uh, Pros with Retina and Intel uh, say I'm working with uh, hardware providers to come up with Retina displays uh, next year, 2013. It's just, yep. yeah, it's, it's, it's not going to get any easier. No, and it's terrifying right now because this is the new hot thing, you know, and everybody's saying, all right, well, how do we get our sites retina ready? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you see all these, like, how-to things all over the place that are just saying, you know, this is how you save a bunch of retina images and serve them up to everybody, right. mm -hmm. which is gross because we're dealing with, like, I don't know, what, 0.001% of the web browsing population of the world. It's just we're, we're in a privileged context. Right. We want pretty images for a pretty new machine. Right. And it's not fair to people in other countries that are like, all they know of the internet is what they've experienced through a feature phone. Right. And they're paying per kilobyte for all the data they consume. Mm -hmm. If we start serving up you know, images four times the size to everyone because we want our website to look nice, we're cutting them out. We're right. saying this is our internet. You know? Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, well, that, that's well, that was my problem with the picture element. Like when it first came out, was uh, it was too complex, and um, uh, with you know, I, you know, it almost gave too much control to the developer. It yeah, did. yeah, it was just like it was too complex. And then if if you think about like uh, Opera did a, a study, and I cite this all the time, was just like they went out and said like, hey, how many how many websites um, out of this like select a uh, four hundred thousand or two hundred thousand sites that we're gonna look at actually validate their code? And this is granted, this was back when XHTML was almost, you know, almost dead or whatever. But, that, but they, still, they still went out there and said, hey, how many websites are, websites are valid? And out of these hundreds of thousands of websites, less than 5% were valid. 
and and yep. then you then you go in there. It's like, hey, we need to have uh, multiple uh, you know uh, sources for picture and stuff like that, just for one element for one image element. I was just like, that's not going to happen. You know, that like, people are just going to default and say, well, Retina is freaking awesome. I love it on my iPad. I'm just going to slap right. down image source you know, high res image and then. And people, if they can't get it, whatever, they're just have to, you know, suck down the bandwidth. Yeah, that was my big concern with um, the SRC set, like extended syntax that the working group is still proposing. Right. Is that it's disgusting? Like it's not intuitive at all. And I'm pretty fair at this stuff. And even when I read it, I'm like, I don't get what this is trying to do. Right. Yeah. It's it's like so. Yeah. Yeah. If we create too much barrier to adoption for authors, they're just not going to use it. Right. Yeah, and, and, there's, yeah. and so I, I was just like, you know, at the end of the day, I just turned my hands up, like, hey, whatever gets gets adopted, because this is the issue that's not going to go anyway. And hopefully, once we get it out there, out in the open, people use it. We can find out what's actually working and and whatnot. That'd be great. But uh, yeah, uh, and then what, I mean, in any case, we get a solution, which right, is awesome. Right. But we either get one that like is good, or we get what is technically <laughs> a solution. Right. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Just saying, SRC set doesn't include it, like M based media query yeah. style support or anything. Yeah, well, just saying. I, I feel like that's just was was that just like uh, you know kind of like first draftitis, you know, like hey, we oh, we totally forgot, like whatever, you know, we just ah. of course, of course we're gonna put in the EMs you know, down the road, and you know, I, I felt yeah. like, I felt that that was just like hey, they just threw something together real fast, and and um, you know, they weren't like married to the pixels being the only value it sort of are i mean the the trouble is this is like this is a blurry line in terms of concerns like if if all you do is deal with html all day yeah this is a little bit css at the same time you're not really all that familiar with media queries and whatnot right necessarily i mean i, I can't speak for everybody obviously but um yeah i mean just based on talking to the what working group recently they're comfortable with just keeping it limited to pixels and I said to them, you know, it's a huge, huge emerging thing that you you use M's in your layout media queries, and we'd want images to be able to match that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was told that I was wrong about how M's work outright, right. uh, and also told I was not convincing <laughs> when I gave them an example of where it is and said, press this key three times. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but um, that notwithstanding... I mean, it's the best case scenario there is that we end up with this completely siloed microsyntax that's forever developed in parallel with media queries. There's always going to be a little bit of variance. There's always going to be one that does one thing and one that does the other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not it is not developer friendly. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the talk around SRC said is like, no, developers will prefer this shorter. And a lot of my pushback and the pushback from the responsive images community group has been like, no, seriously, we are developers. <laughs> we're, we're telling you we don't like this. Right. But I don't know. It's a whole thing. It's hot drama. Right. Yeah. But, so I got a, a few questions for you guys. This is I'm I'm pretty much not an expert at all on any of the excuse <clears throat> me any things you're talking about. But are you um, chocolate jalapenos again? Are you? I you know I'm still recovering from the chipotle whatever <laughs> thing delicious. it is that I've you know it's down there in my stomach talking back to me. Um, <clears throat> now, is, are Retina displays you know are they in, do they exist outside the Apple universe? Is Dell making Retina displays? Are people yeah. moving toward that? I mean, Retina itself is, you know, it's an Apple. Sure. Registered. No, but I mean, you know, high density, basically, pixel. Yeah, displays. I mean, you see it a lot more in in mobile. Yeah, um, yeah well, well, Intel has come out and said that they're actually working with um, 
uh, manufacturers like Acer and uh, Lenovo, if I'm saying that right. But uh, uh-huh. yeah, and they're coming out in 2013. So it, right now, it's like the the, the domain of. Apple, Apple. but it is the future. Yeah, it's, it's something. It's going to happen. We're all going. Yeah, you got to assume it's headed that way. But at the yeah. same time, it's like in two years, not every single phone coming out is going to have a super high density display. Sure. There's still going to be that low end, you know, phone kicking around. Not to mention all the phones that have been floating around for years already. You know, right, it's not like right. they're going to go and upgrade everybody's BlackBerry Six to a new display. Sure. So it's something you know, still the same, gonna, will, same will be true with tablets and and desktop machines you know yeah. they'll be the really expensive retina displays and then the ones that a lot of people can afford which won't have the de- pixel density so we're going right. to be dealing especially, with that for you know forever probably yeah especially um, with now, android where they just keep churning those out on the cheap using you know ancient versions of the software and that's right. becoming like the entry-level phone that's the new clunky nokia that you can't kill you know now, in terms of uh, browser adoption of any any solution, is uh, do any browsers do are they doing anything? Is are like any of the like betas of of or developer versions of like Chrome support the original Wetwig syntax, or there's no nobody has responsive images yet? No, nothing yet that I've seen. I think Safari Six does the CSS equivalent to SRC set. Uh-huh. Uh, don't quote me because I haven't tested. Yeah. But yeah, so nothing supports it natively yet. We do have that polyfill um, called picture fill for the. So what have you guys been doing to or or to, to communicate with these browser manufacturers? Is that? Or, I mean, is pleading. <laughs> What's that? Uh, pleading a little bit of crying. Chipotle, yeah. chili, chocolates. Yeah, bribery and sabotage at the same time. <laughs> All that. It's true. No, honestly, I mean. All I can do is make a ton of noise, not for nothing, yeah. and that's why I keep saying I'm just the I'm just the guy on the soapbox. I'm not I'm not the one with all the good ideas. This isn't my solution. I can just make a lot of noise and say this is what the developer community is largely voicing that they want, right? And hope that some of the browsers stand up and take notice, and a few have for what that's worth. Right. Yeah. Um, but if you're listening, other browsers, call me. <laughs> maybe. Go, yeah, this. maybe. Yeah. Firefox. Maybe. Where are you at, man? Yeah. Mozilla. Dead silent on the issue. Oh, he's called them out one by one. He's Get like, at me. <laughs> it's like a, this just turned into like a pro wrestling intro where I'm like, Firefox, I'm coming for you. <laughs> I'm very tired, guys. <laughs> so, uh, well, one thing I do want to ask you about is, um, <laughs> oh, sorry, I just hadn't, I, just, I think uh, Dave just passed me a chocolate that was uh, yeah. oh, Chipotle as well. But, um, is is uh, one of the things I, I would love to see is a native responsive image uh, support in the browser, and so and I, I know I am like a uh, wishful. I'm a kid on Christmas trying to uh, ask for uh, like like you know the BB shooter or whatever like uh, but I just really want the, this to work because I feel like it's it's already been done in some formats like JPEG 2000. And uh, and a flashbacks, oh, oh. right? So where you just make this mammoth, uh, <coughs> excuse me, huge, <laughs> sorry, huge image, and then you can just uh, store in your server, and then the browser will come in and say, you know, ideally, you know, say, hey, I'm with this resolution, I need this image, let me just get the thumbnail because that's all I need right now. So and then, or hey, I'm a little bit better, I'm on desktop, I got 72 PPI, I'll just get the normal image that we've been working on, or if I'm in HD. I'm on Wi-Fi. I'm really ready to go. Bam! Here it is. And so, yeah. do you think that's like 
just wishful thinking and I should grow up or what? So hold yes. on, can I just get clarify this? That you're so you're talking about one image file format. We would produce a single file. Mm-hmm. It'd be really big, but somehow the web browser would be able to only mm-hmm. dish out a portion of it, depending on yeah. what the device. Yeah, wants. it'd be like a, a one way to think about it is like an image uh, storage locker. Uh-huh. And so yeah. it, would, it would have like this massive data. Uh, oh, get it. QuickTime yeah. has something like that. Mm-hmm. QuickTime mm-hmm. does something like that with movies, I think, or used to. Um, honestly, I mean, on paper, that would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, it wouldn't fulfill like the arc direction use case. We have to serve up an image that's more tailored, a content image more tailored to the current display. Mm-hmm. Um, the trouble is like getting that adopted widespread and getting authors to start using it and dealing with saving out all those various like versions with it. I mean, I don't know if anyone here has tried to make an animated GIF in Photoshop, but like gross. (laughs) (laughs) So I can only imagine it would be pretty much the same deal. And we'd be looking at years down the road before anything like that caught on in a big way. I mean, JPEG 2000 is called what it is because it came out in 2000. Right. And I still don't see a hell of a lot of those. Uh, it's it's for the future, so when the year, like when we cycle back to the year zero, it's gonna be awesome. So yeah, by yeah. the time we get there, so like it's be awesome. But um, but yeah, so yeah, I think it's yeah, I you know just like with uh, Jeff, you know, with when when Jeff came out, uh, Photoshop did not have native support for uh, GIFs. You actually had to use uh, you had to actually get a plugin for Photoshop in order to export as, as a GIF. And, You're a GIF guy. <laughs> I might have to go. Oh man! What, 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 what do you mean by GIF? I, oh, I mean, there's GIF, and then there's the correct way of saying it. Right. Oh, yeah. GIF. GIF. Oh yeah. Well, I, I actually say it the way the creator of the file format says it. He so. doesn't know. Ooh, he doesn't slap. know. <laughs> Come on. Who are you going to believe? The guy that invented it, or a guy hiding in a closet in the back of a loft of Boston? <laughs> Uh, oh, man. So. professionalism ladies and gentlemen <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah so it's just uh, yeah so so it, it will take some time for like image editors to adopt I mean it took Adobe a while just to make you know uh, native support for Jet but also like fireworks which is you know what they bill as the like you know first uh, image editor for web yeah. uh, d- content delivery so I think it would take a while for that but um, and I think there's also, I granted, there's a long adoption rate because for uh, Ping 24, because it wasn't really, people wanted Ping 24, like the alpha transparency, because it was like awesome. Because yeah. Jeff transparency kind of blows once you want to try to like push the envelope a little bit. And um, so it took <coughs> um, uh, years for IE to get on the ball. Granted, there's a whole dot com crash and they didn't care about the internet for a while. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so it takes a while, but I think, you know, when you have, Browsers set to version infinity, you know, uh, now they're pushing out changes all the time, and uh, this makes yeah. my life as a book author just crazy because I can't, uh, whatever. Like <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it works in version 14.5600, but uh, it just, it, it's, you know, I think there's, there is an issue with that, but I don't think it's as drastic as an issue as it was, like, no, uh, last, last decade, you know, and so... Yeah. And don't get me wrong, man. I would love to see that. I just I don't know that in and of itself it would be <laughs> the end all be all. You know? Yeah, yeah. I think I think there's still some issues to go with, but I think it's just. Yeah. I mean, because what we're trying to solve is um, an issue with video, almost in a way. But instead of just throwing down video for different resolutions or different speeds, we just want one frame. Right. You know, we want just a little bit more control, like. 
with art direction, I'm kind of like, well, that's great. That'd be awesome. But I feel like that's like, uh, you know, adding uh, ingredients on top of a pizza. You know, like, you know, really, like this pizza is great. Uh, you know, really great. You know, some uh, some cheese on top of it. You know, whatever. Like some uh, Parmesan or whatever. So it's, I feel like. Some jalapeno chocolate. Yeah, jalapeno chocolate would go <laughs> great right about now. So, uh, but yeah, so, but I think that's what CSS would be for, for like, you know, when you change the images, like, hey, when you're at this. Resolution, sure. you know, this spec. I like just let's crop it a little bit with, you know, background, you know, clipping maybe or whatever you have. Yeah. So, um, background positioning. So, but um, yeah. So I feel like that's that's a way of going about doing it. And I feel like the closest, you know, and to make an image new format from whole cloth, it's just yeah, it is going to take years. You know, like it would just take oh, yeah. years. And like then you have to do with. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Sorry. Will you stop it with the chocolate? But uh, but uh, he's just aerosolized it now. He's just spraying it around. <laughs> Screw you guys! If I gotta suffer, everyone suffers. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So it's gonna take years to just make it because you have to deal with uh, you know file format, uh, spec writing. I mean, if you think HTML five takes forever, take it. Oh god. Agreed on. But um, the closest image that would come that we could uh, you know use would be like the image format that Google's come out with, and I've. You know, tried to reach out to them and everything like that. So, like, hey, is there any way we could shoehorn uh, the support into your the WebP image form file format? And mm-hmm. I have, I'm here to tell you, I have not heard anything back. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, uh, I know yes. that feeling. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I have, I have yelled at the black hole, and the black hole told me nothing. But, uh, yep. but yeah, when you gaze long into web standards, web standards gazes also into you. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so that that would be like my my vision was just like, hey, it'd be awesome if WebP just came in right now and just said, hey, yeah, you still need a plugin for a couple of year, like a year, or like maybe less than a year, depending yeah. on how everyone else, all the browsers that you recently called out. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we would support it. I think that'd be like just the dynamic solution that we just like, oh sweet, we're like, uh, get on board with that. So I don't know. That's yeah. that's my yeah, vision I, and that's my dream. Would be. Do Don't get me wrong. Like I said, p- the picture element isn't my solution. None of it's, you know, well, some of it is my idea, but mostly it's a bunch of people just getting together and working on it. Right. I'm greedy, man. At no point am I going to say, no, we don't need <laughs> that. We can just use picture. Give me yeah. both. Give developers yeah. both, you know? Yeah. yeah, I just feel like it's, um, uh, you know, I'm with Chris Coyer and uh, for, for his blog post of uh, uh, which uh, responsive image solution should you, polyfill should you use or whatever. And, and I thought, like, you know, I worked on one, and, uh, you know, you, yeah, you have the polyfill stuff, but, you know, there was, like, 24 different oh, yeah. solutions. And I was like, this is and just crying out. And a ton of them still suffer for, the prefetch issue. Yeah, and we're just crying out. We're like, you know, we're just like, hey, browsers and image developers, and, and you're like, you know, these devices are, these HD devices are coming down the market. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's, no, there's a disconnect is the issue. A lot of the a lot of the folks in standards, and this isn't an admonition. A lot of the people who have been working on writing specs and editing specs for a long time haven't been making websites, and I get that. I mean, that's their full time job. That's what they do. But I think at some point, because so few like unfettered developers are involved in standards, I think it sort of became like where at one point they spoke for developers that I think authors will prefer this, that, or the other thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of been lost a little bit, you know. Like they're not up. Uh, this stuff is changing very. Like in the past year alone, this stuff is changing crazy fast. Right. And like between when the Globe launched and now, looking at the Globe now, and that's the Boston Globe site. I'm like, oh, so many things I could have done. Right. You know. 
And I think there's there's just a disconnect between what what authors want on paper and what it is we actually need day to day. Right. Like you don't see a lot of standards for. Well, I can't say that. Never mind. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, like things have changed so fast. Like, like would you? Oh, well, I mean, do you think things are changing like rapid? Because uh, uh, working on a standards body like uh, like HTML five or CSS is like. You know, they split up CSS into modules, so different modules can get done faster, depending on the on the group. And that was, you know, that's okay, and that kind of speaks to how slow things get done. But that was at a time when browsers were released once a year, maybe every eighteen months or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. you had to check five things, and it's like, yeah, we're cool. Yeah. So now we're like, you know, now we're uh, you know rapid development, uh, pushing out updates all the time. Do you think you know that kind of you know we're we are moving we're on this precipice almost in a way of like moving so fast that you know we we're trying to, we're trying we're trying to write documentation and no one wants to write documentation to what the browsers are doing like almost in a way where browsers are not coming out with features and we're or uh, you know kind of like standalone features and stuff like that that we're trying to make into a spec rather than trying to agree on the standard for, for oh absolutely yeah yeah I mean uh, all the people well. The majority of the people would say, in terms of standardizing this stuff, work for the major browsers. And that's not saying, like, you know, crazy conspiracy, the browsers control everything that goes into the spec. But a lot of times, you know, Apple's going to say, we want this one. And it's like, well, you did the work, and we got a ton of stuff to do. So, yeah, somebody sign it, somebody stamp it, you know? Right, right. And, uh, and that's great. And it does get stuff done. That's the object. But... There just there needs to be more developer involvement. Like I got sixty phones on a shelf outside of this creepy elevator, and I got to run like every little change through all of them to look for this, that, and the other thing. And it's it's not like you just crack open the big five browsers and check everything out, and everything's good to ship. There's a lot, a lot of stuff going on, and it's hard enough to keep up with it when it's your full time job, you know. Yeah. Let alone if you're, you know writing all kinds of specs and editing things and trying to keep half an eye on what's going on in the world, you, you're bound to fall behind. So unless we throw, like, a couple hundred more so people like, at writing the specs, which is going to be, like, you know... Circle back and just say... So you throw in nine women draft for to have a kid in a yes. month. Is it, and is that online somewhere? It, it's know, just not, not just yet. Okay. I've uh, <laughs> seen a preview of it. It's very formal-looking. Okay. But, um, yeah, there's still the HTML working group is who I've been working with mm-hmm. pretty extensively on this recently. Um, very good support. They've given me some people to, you know, hold my hand through the process because I don't know what I'm doing between us. And uh, they're looking for a place for it to live now because there isn't really much of a, there isn't really much of a workflow for this. Like, it's not every day a bunch of developers crash the community group's website <laughs> with traffic. Yeah. And just decide we're going to do a thing, you know. This right. this is kind of unprecedented, which is cool. Right. It's terrifying, but it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. You, you think you, there would be someone up there with the that would say like, "We just had a bunch of like fifty people just walk in the door and demand the same thing." Maybe we yeah. should ask them. Yes, please go work on that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're the second biggest community group on the community group website. Mm-hmm. We literally crashed the site twice for traffic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's not a small deal. But again, there's this disconnect because when we went after all that happened, when we went to the what working group, most of the people involved in the conversation hadn't heard of the community group. Yeah. You know, well, that, 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 that speaks to their process and, and flow, like what you're talking about. So yeah, it's siloed. And it's worked for them. I get that, but I, I don't. It's not conducive to developer feedback, and that's a problem, I think. And it's going to become more of a problem as time goes on. Right. 
So, but uh, just like to change topics a little bit, like you, t- you talked about, you have a uh, like sixty phones that you you test on. Uh, oh God! <laughs> so, <laughs> one of the things that you're um, a member of the jQuery mobile team, right? Yes. And so, can you tell us about about that project and and what problems it, it tries to solve? Yeah, I'm, I can say that I pine for the days of IE six and seven, <laughs> where it's like broken in a way that makes sense to me. When that was my biggest concern. Yeah, it's, right. I mean, it's tough, man. There are a lot, a lot of weird little browser quirks mm-hmm. across all the mobile browsers, <clears throat> Android. And um, yeah, I mean, it's like project wise, it's amazing. Like, I, I've never learned this much from a gig. Um, but it's literally every little change you make, you got to run through and test it on all these different things. So, what's your process for testing? You make a change and. <laughs> Make a change. 60 different devices. Pretty much. I mean, there's no substitute. You pick it up, you spend 30 seconds looking for the power button because it's too many power buttons to keep track of. And uh, you hope it's charged and you crack it open and you test it. (laughs) And it's, I mean, like stuff like Adobe Shadow and the new Safari remote inspector for iOS. And that that does definitely make things a lot more painless. Mm -hmm. But a lot of it is throwing alerts around and putting Mm -hmm. red borders on stuff, you know? (laughs) It's, Old school. It's, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's the same as anything else. It's like with IE, eventually you just kind of learn what things are going to potentially be an issue, and you start tiptoeing around them while you're building it. Yeah. Like overflow, um, hidden, and position fixed are a nightmare in bizarre and terrifying ways that seem wholly unrelated to what it is mm-hmm. you're doing. But uh, I will never go near either one of those again, just <laughs> wholesale in a style sheet. You know? Yeah. So it looks like there's an alpha for 1.2 of jQuery Mobile. What's what's new in it? What's what are we looking at for the next round of jQuery Mobile? Is the alpha? Oh yeah. Um, ah, constant bug, bug fixes. Yeah. Never any shortage of those. Sure. Uh, as it stands right now, the alpha should contain the new. We try and keep the like one or two new features. Mm-hmm. Or version, uh, little stuff, new widgets. Like we have a, a little pop-up widget that's coming out in the newer one. Um, we try to fix a ton of stuff behind the scenes, just in terms of bugs, obviously. What's and the difference between pop-up and the dialog? Instead of like a whole standalone dialog page, this is yeah. literally just like you'll click something on the page and it'll pop up a little tooltip thing. Ah, uh, okay. Uh-huh. Which is cool. I mean, on the surface, it's just a little tooltip thing, but you know, you put an image in it, it's a light box. If you combine it with with an Ajax thing, you can serve up like snippets of a page within it without having that markup in the page. Right. right we're we're right. aiming more for like more for exposing utilities that we use in the library, mm-hmm. and just like making those available to the average developer, and then just right. combining those. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cool. But uh, yeah, and then tons of bugs. Yeah. So what's the uh, uh, adoption of jQuery Mobile? Are you guys finding uh, a big, big uh, adoption? People are using it? We're doing pretty okay. I don't have the numbers. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, that stuff is difficult to keep tabs sure. on. Sure, But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a popular library. We see, mm-hmm. just like taking a quick look at Twitter for jQuery Mobile, people are generally pretty pumped about it. Yeah. Which is awesome. Cool. Yeah, so, like, in... But jQuery Mobile is not like a responsive web design solution, or is it? It's just like like how, how does that fit in with the responsive web design? 
It could be. I mean, out of the out of the box, jQuery Mobile is kind of set up like start to finish. You can put together a, a site that's going to work on mobile real quick. You know what I mean? It's like the way jQuery would normalize a lot of the IE stuff, um, and just kind of kind of hide that away from you. You just write your stuff the way you write your stuff, and it's taken care of. jQuery Mobile includes a lot of that for all these crazy mobile browser quirks. Mm-hmm. So you could very well, I mean, without using any of the enhancements for like layout and any of the existing styles and themes, you could build on top of jQuery Mobile and just build a responsive website. There's no reason you couldn't. Mm-hmm. You would just have all those helper functions and everything available and all the shims that deal with bizarre, you know, BlackBerry 5 issues and so on. Right. And just kind of have that available to you. Mm-hmm. We, have a, we have a builder now, which is amazing where you can just go through and select the aspects of jQuery Mobile you want to include. <laughs> um, so you can just grab, like, the touch extrapolation. You can grab, we have um, a virtual click oh, event. Really? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, which, like, normalizes against touch and click. And, you know, some mobile browsers, click is touch and touch is, you know. Mm-hmm. And it just takes all that and you just bind to vClick and it does the most appropriate thing and removes, like, how iOS would have a 300 millisecond delay with when you bound to to like click uh-huh, right. It, it just does away with that it uses the most appropriate event <laughs> that's awesome that's cool yeah there's a lot of any little stuff like that in there and so, I mean I would absolutely build a site on top of it I probably wouldn't like use the theme roller and just like drag some colors around and say there's my website but a lot of people mm-hmm. want that you know yeah, yeah. so little of column A little of column B so is, is the theme roller for mobile is that is that the jQuery theme roller like that because there's a jQuery UI theme roller, I mean, so... Uh, uh, separate theme roller. Okay. Yeah. God, it's cool. It is... It's really cool, I, yeah. say that because I didn't build it. It's genuinely amazing. Yeah. Really, really robust. Like, you can save down the, the theme you put together. You can load the theme back into the theme roller. Yeah, yeah. From it's, a file it's, and then continue editing. It's really well done. Yeah, it's yeah. super cool. It's fun to play with. And yeah. um, it's... it's it's uh, as a just a, as an example of a great web app, it's worth just checking out because a Absolutely. lot of things are done so well. Again, this yeah. isn't me bragging. I didn't do that. Now, what um, what kind of uh, recommendations do you have for people? I mean, one one thing with jQuery Mobile is, I mean, basically you're building a mobile site. Like it doesn't look so great at like on a desktop screen. I mean, it looks like a giant wide. You know, it doesn't, uh, you yeah. don't have the same kind of layout control. So people want to, you know, give out the mobile version to mobile devices and the desktop version to desktop devices. There's several, you know, multiple solutions to doing that. Uh, what do you, have you found one in particular that's better than other to, to sort of give the proper mobile, give the proper desktop to the, to the device? I'll be honest with you. I'd write a couple of media queries and use the same site on desktop, you know? Uh-huh. This, mm-hmm. There's absolutely, there's a time and a place for the separate, like, M-dot style site. Right. right. But you got to make a really good case for it. You know what I mean? Like, i, I got to be talked into that. And it, mm-hmm. I'm sure there's absolutely cases. Like, I mean, there's proper applications of Comic Sans. But uh, <laughs> right. that doesn't mean I'm going to default to it every time. Right, right. You know? But, um... Yeah, I mean, there's no the default theme that comes with jQuery Mobile is very linear. Like you said, it's it's kind of set up mobile style. But if you look at the, if you go to jQuerymobile.com/test, uh-huh. just for our documentation, that's pulling the latest from GitHub. We have like, 
I don't know, a couple of lines worth inside a media query to give you that desktop style layout just by like breaking it into two columns. You know right, what I mean? Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, this is using a ton of the default theming, so it still looks really mobile-y. Right. But it doesn't have to. You can you can knock out all that theming. You can edit the existing theme. You can use theme roller, or you can just write it from scratch. And uh, yeah, so I wish more people knew about jQuery Mobile, but I guess apparently they they do know because I, I guess your your stats are pretty good. So, but a couple of folks know. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the important thing. Yeah, right, something right. knows. Yeah, I know that it's actually part of our. Uh, uh, one of our the conversation we do for responsible design summit that we're having, so we made sure to put it in there, just so awesome. Yeah, just so we have it in there. So, but um, but yeah, I, I just feel like uh, yeah, because like um, People Magazine came out with their uh, new mobile friendly version, and yes. they actually have like m and so I was just like, you know, I was like, well, yeah, I guess because their their many of their CMS is tied into their desktop version, and they can't really just roll over and. And do make it all one one website. It's and, tough with an existing site. I mean, that's a big conversion yeah. to drop on everybody. Um, for what it's worth, though, um, if anyone asks, and this is not true, but if anyone asks, Ethan insists on calling it a phablet site. <laughs> He's really big into the word phablet. Phablet. Yeah. So just just under any circumstances, you can even credit him with the invention of the word. I think he'd be really psyched about that. Wow, he's really nice about that. Really cool. and yeah, he's what? really just very friendly about that word. He loves it. And bring it up to him all the time. Exactly. What's the oh, definition of phablet? phone and tablet? I I forget where it actually came from. <laughs> it was some like ad where they were like, "It's not a phone or a tablet. It's a phablet." My TV <laughs> burst into flames, and I started crying, and just did, I can't. It's terrible. So we're talking P-H-A-B-L-E-T? Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> yeah. We were before, but now we are. We are. And earlier today, I proposed that if we were to combine a mobile phone and a tablet and a laptop, we could have a fablop. <laughs> and I would literally move to an island and never speak English again. After that becomes a word. <laughs> yes. Oh, awesome. Anyway. Well, on that note... <laughs> Now that I've ruined all your lives with the death of language. <laughs> with the phablet and the... F- I can't even pronounce the other one you just came up with. Fablet. Um, I'm ashamed of myself yeah, for it. I am. So, Matt, when you're not uh, busy hanging out in a, in a storage elevator or whatever, what are you... Or where, when am what I are not, you? really? What's that? When am I not hanging out <laughs> in a storage elevator nowadays? God. So, uh, so how can people follow you besides in storage elevators? Yeah, I mean, I'm just lurking in corners. Um, I'm Wilto, W-I-L-T-O on Twitter. Mostly I swear about the Mass Bay Transit Authority (laughs) and talk about sandwiches lately. Mm -hmm. Um, Sandwiches. Tune in for that action. I had a banh mi today. It was bomb. Mm, Sounds good. It's delicious. Yeah, I post dog photos too, so that's exciting. But uh, yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm Wilto on everything. W-I-L-T-O on Dribbble and GitHub and Twitter and... What have you? So, so if I were to call you Wilto, would you respond to uh, yeah. Wilto? Okay, it's been my real nickname since high school. That's where I picked it up. It's the most anticlimactic nickname story in history, wow. yeah. where they just started calling me Wilto, and nobody's quite sure why. And there you go. Yeah, we, <laughs> there yeah. We had a discussion before the show started. Like, do I call him Wilto? Or Matt? I don't know. I don't. Know. That would be acceptable. Yeah. Either or. Yeah, I'll answer to pretty much anything at this point. Hey, you. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Well, Matt, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for talking to us. Thank and you for having me. 
filling us in on the latest. Absolutely. Awesome. awesome. Hope to talk to you soon. All right. All right. Have a good one, guys. Yeah. Later. Our thanks to Matt Marquis for joining us on Non-Breaking Space. As always, check the show notes at nonbreakingspace.tv for all links and sites discussed during the episode. We're also in the iTunes podcast listing, and we'd really appreciate it if you subscribed and left a rating or review. It helps us spread the word about the show. In addition, you can follow us on the Twitters and the Facebooks. And be sure to check out our MySpace page where Dave will be previewing his new magic show. Mm-hmm.